0: wellness and wisdom podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kimberly Ann Marsden. And on today's episode, I am joined by holistic health and performance coach and avid biohacker, Austin Chikatilov. We will be doing a discussion about biohacking, what it is and how to use simple hacks for everyday life. We'll be covering a whole host of topics, everything from EMFs, and environmental toxins to how to increase your energy, enhance cognitive and athletic performance, improve sleep and manage stress, and much, much more. So join us. Here we go. Hello, hello. Today, I have a special guest with me. I have holistic health and performance coach, Austin Chikatilov, with me. Austin specializes in nutrition and functional medicine, and for the last few years, he has been on quite the quest. He's been on a deep dive into biohacking, which is a fairly new field. So I have asked Austin to join us today to discuss biohacking. So welcome, Austin.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Anytime. My pleasure. So let's just jump right in. And let's start with the very most basic question we can ask for a lot of people don't even know what is biohacking. So can you sort of just start with a general definition for all of us?
1: For sure. So I like to think of biohacking as changing my inner environment and my outer environment to help optimize my biology. So Basically, I like the way Dave Asprey puts it. He basically says, get rid of everything that makes you weak and then replace it with things that make you stronger and more resilient. And one of the reasons biohacking has come to the forefront of health and fitness is because of its ability to help us improve our longevity, our quality of life and just overall energy levels. So, it's a field that I'm super passionate about and I'm excited to share with you guys all that I've learned about the field and what it can do for you.
0: Excellent. Okay, so so it would be some of the simple basic ways that just an average person who said, "Hey, that sounds pretty cool. I want to get rid of the things that make me weak and I want to be strong." Okay, Austin, tell me what areas should I be looking at?
1: yeah so you have to look at things in your life that may be draining your energy levels whether it be emfs or toxins in the environment like pesticides and heavy metals they may be being exposed to and then also looking at your relationships and also your thought patterns and looking at do you have a growth mindset or are you living in fear is your inner critic really loud all these things affect our physiology. And we know that our thoughts can really change and become our reality. So you have to look at all aspects of your life. And then from there, once you figure out the things that you need to get rid of, you start bringing in things like gratitude, and joy and peace. And this is just the emotional side of it. And then you could look at things on a physical level, like how can I improve my sleep, my nutrition? How am I moving and how am I breathing every single day? It's these little things that people keep talking about, but biohacking basically takes it to a whole nother level because you can add in self-quantification devices that can give you biofeedback on how you're doing and how your routines are affecting your physiology. And then you can make micro adjustments from there. So biofeedback is one of the main components of biohacking and it helps us get more information about how we're doing at a physical level. But I think what's also key is to really check in with ourselves on an emotional and spiritual level and see how are we feeling at the end of the day? Do we feel like we've fulfilled our purpose? What was our intention for the day? Did we embody that? And so I think self-reflection can come into play With biohacking as well, and can help us improve from day to day, because that's what we're trying to do. We're here to learn, grow, and improve ourselves and each other.
0: Wow, that was a lot of information in a very quick, short amount of time. I think we could take a deep dive into any one of those things that you just mentioned, but we're like we said, we're just starting with the basics today. I just want to go back because there was and unpack some of what you just said because there was so much in there just going to sort of highlight the emotional piece and just say, that's a great point about the fact that the impact of the thoughts on the body and all of those, the emphasis that was made there as far as switching those negative thoughts, or I don't want to say negative, really what I want to say is thoughts that are not productive, that are not healthy for you and switching them with ones that are based in positive emotions like gratitude and resiliency and all of those. And then we're just going to push that one to the side because we have all kinds of other shows that talk about that. But I do want to go back to the other pieces that you talked about. Let's just touch quickly on EMFs. Can you just, for people that are not aware of what EMFs are, could you just briefly explain what EMFs are?
1: Yeah. So electromagnetic frequencies are natural and they come from things like the stun but there's these non-native native emfs that we have to be mindful of that are emitted from things like phones and laptops and tvs and these non-native emfs are what really negatively impacts our biology And particular they affect the calcium channels in cells so there's basically an excess of calcium so it can cause imbalances in magnesium to calcium ratios, and it can lead to fatigue, brain fog. And it's one of the things that zaps people's energy levels and they're not even aware of it until they go see somebody who asks them about their exposure and if they shut off their Wi-Fi routers and things like that. So I think EMFs are one of the hidden triggers of a lot of chronic conditions that people are suffering from today.
0: I agree. I mean, I should probably do a whole show on EMFs, but let's just continue down that road for a minute with the EMFs and say, can you just give us a list of some of the common devices that are emitting non-native EMFs just for people that are not sure of how that occurs?
1: Yeah, I think cell phones have to be number one. And when you're on your phone, you want to make sure that you're not holding it next to your head right by your temporal bone next to your brain that's associated with increased tumor growth. We know that cell phones can cause tumor growth. And we want to make sure that we're on airplane mode when we can. And we don't want to carry our phones in our pockets near our reproductive organs. We know that it's linked to infertility as well. So I would say cell phones are number one and TVs are number two. So things that you can do to mitigate your exposure are by wearing Things like pendants, like this Harmony pendant I'm wearing right now. There's also a couple of great tools that Vibes Up makes. It's a good company. They have a lot of Shungite, Shungite Triangles, Shungite Mats, which basically contains earth ions, which can negate some of the negative effects of EMFs. So that's a great company. And I'd really want to recommend Joe Mercola's book, EMF, if you're looking to really dive deep and figure out how EMFs could be affecting your health and how to take control of your health by eliminating your exposure or at least minimizing your exposure. So Dr. Mercola's got a lot of great resources on EMF, so you can check out his website. And also, he has a book on it.
0: That's great. Thank you. Thank you for the clarification, Austin. So let's switch to one of the other things that you mentioned on that hit list, which was the environmental toxins. So can you speak to a couple of the environmental toxins that we are exposed to daily that people might not necessarily think too much about, but are really important to be aware of and to attempt to mitigate?
1: Yeah. So glyphosate is clearly number one. This is the active ingredient in Roundup, which Billions of pounds are sprayed on crops every single year, and it is an animal carcinogen. So it's known to cause cancer in animals and probably in humans as well. And we know it's an antibiotic, so it has really deleterious effects on the human microbiome because it kills all the good bugs in our gut. So this can lead to things like leaky gut and autoimmune conditions. There is a whole host of things that glyphosate exposure is linked to. And there's a lot of research on it. So I highly recommend you check it out because this toxin really is awful. And things that we can do to minimize our exposure are eating organic, which has, I wouldn't say completely no pesticides because it is so prevalent, but definitely less than conventionally grown produce and foods. And then other things would be supplementing with things like humic and fulvic acids. So basically it's this mineral supplement that this company Ion Biome makes, and it's known to increase the tight junctions in your gut, which can help prevent some of the negative effects that glyphosate might cause. And also you want to include healthy detoxing foods, in your daily regimen, things like algae, spirulina, chlorella, and berries, blueberries, raspberries, all these colorful foods can improve our detoxification abilities. So we want to make sure that we're including lots of color in our diet, as well as drinking healthy, clean water, a lot of water is tainted. So that's a whole nother topic. But those are some of the things that you can do.
0: Those are great suggestions. And the water, there are wonderful water filtration systems out there. And there now are reverse osmosis systems that put the minerals back in as well. And those are really easily available on Amazon. And the other thing I wanted to say is... All of this is information, educational information. So before you make any changes or implement anything in your life, always check with a physician. We're not giving medical advice. We're giving educational information. So if you want to make any changes as far as supplements or anything, please make sure you check with your healthcare professional before you do that. All the things that we are mentioning today are well-researched and verified, but for your own individual use, you always need to take that into account as well. Okay, so let's switch gears a little bit, Austin, and let's just say what would be, let's just say the top four or five areas that biohacking would be most beneficial for us to use every day, in addition, separate from the things we've already been talking about.
1: Yeah, so biohacking can really improve all kinds of areas in our life. But if I were to choose five, I'd have to say, Number one would be improving energy levels first and foremost. I think that a lot of people are suffering from fatigue and low energy and they just want that boundless energy to be able to do more than just work and, and really just have boundless energy. So that would be one. Number two would be increasing performance in a variety of domains like athletic performance, or even in terms of cognitive abilities. And then I would say number three would have to be improving sleep. We know how important sleep is to optimal health. And that also coincides with increasing your detoxification abilities. And we had a whole podcast about that. So hopefully people understand how paramount detoxification is. Number four would be managing stress. So stress management is such a key part of health and everyday living because we are in a society that is overloaded with information and there's a lot of things out there that can provoke anxiety. So learning to manage our stress levels is super important. And then lastly, I would say that biohacking can really help us build a community and really help us learn about the unique aspects of our bodies and how they function. And we learn that through self-experimentation by implementing, let's say one supplement and seeing how you feel over one to two weeks, and then adjusting the dosage or maybe switching supplements or regimens from there on out. It's a constant growth process and you're constantly trying new things, finding what works and getting rid of what doesn't. And you're just evolving along the way. So those would be my top five benefits of biohacking.
0: Okay, great. So now I'm going to ask you to go a little deeper on each one. So let's go back. And I believe the first one you mentioned was increasing energy. So what specifically, if I wanted to increase my energy, would you recommend for some simple biohacks that I could do? Obviously, we know it's going to be different for each person, but some general General ideas that people could try to increase energy from a biohacking perspective?
1: Sure. So, the number one thing to increase energy levels, I would have to say, is sunlight exposure and specifically the timing of sunlight exposure because of the effects it has on our mitochondria, which are those power plants of our cells that actually make the ATP or energy 95% of it actually in our body. So, getting out first thing in the morning. And getting that sunlight on your eyes is super key for your circadian rhythm. So it can help your melatonin release at night, which then impacts your sleep. So we know that circadian biology is really crucial for proper energy levels throughout the day. So it helps our hormone levels like cortisol and melatonin, which oppose each other. It helps regulate those hormones. And it can really help you have sustained energy levels throughout the day. That's one thing.
0: Okay. And so that's great for those of us that live in areas where we have natural sunlight. So one of the things with biohacking I think is interesting is people sometimes think that it means that you have to use technology. And obviously you don't always have to be using something that's technical, but this would be a case where are there, what if you're in an area where there isn't sunlight good sunlight? Like what technology could be used to assist someone who lives, let's say, in Oregon or some other place in the country in the Northwest where mostly gray cloudy days exist?
1: That's a great question. I think one of the top devices that people could use to help simulate that sunlight exposure is the Juve device. And they have all kinds of light therapy devices that emit red and near infrared light. So you can use those devices to basically simulate sunlight exposure. And also a quick hack would be exposing yourself to blue light in the morning because the sun is our major source of blue light. And we do want blue light in the morning when we're trying to wake up. So exposing yourself to blue light, even if it isn't natural coming from the sun can still help you out.
0: Excellent. Okay. So let's move on to the next one. I think you mentioned was two for the price of one cognitive and athletic performance enhancement.
1: Yeah, so there's a lot of supplements that I think would help in this area, but also targeted breathing strategies could help with increasing athletic and cognitive performance too by increasing your circulation to your brain by doing some fire breathing or deep breaths where you're really trying to squeeze the air all the way up into your head. Wim Hof breathing is super activating as well. I like to do that before I have a cognitively demanding day. And as far as athletic performance, I also like to implement some calming breathing strategies before a big event just to make sure I'm not too hyper aroused, which would negatively impact my performance. And in terms of supplements for athletic performance, I think creatine would be One of the top ones on my list, just in terms of muscle recovery and building muscle strength. And also it can be a nootropic. So it has cognitive benefits as well. So that's kind of like a two for one. And also other supplements would include things like magnesium and sniffing essential oils things like peppermint essential oil and lemon in the morning can stimulate the autonomic nervous system. So I like to play with my essential oils at different times of the day, because I know it can immediately impact my brain. I feel it. So that is, that is wonderful. So there's a whole bunch of other things we could talk about, but those are just a few in that domain.
0: These, and these are all fantastic. Cause these are all things that are very easy to get access to a lot of, some of them don't even cost anything, but what about for those that are interested in more of the high-tech way for the recovery, for athletic recovery performance, what would you recommend there as far as technology?
1: Yeah. So if you're willing to invest some money in recovery devices, I think a couple of my favorite ones would be things like the Mark Pro, which is an e device. It can help with muscle recovery. You basically just put these electrodes on your muscles and you can chill out while you're reading or watching some TV and you don't have to do anything, but your muscles are contracting. So you're pumping lymph, pumping blood and helping to drain out lactic acid and other cellular wastes, which is kind of cool. And then another great technology that I like to use are the Normatec boots, which Are great for lymph and blood circulation as well, and it uses this dynamic compression technology to really squeeze your muscles and then release in this pulsed fashion that is super enjoyable. It's like you're getting a really deep tissue massage. So those are a couple of great resources, and then also if you can find a place that does cryotherapy or hyperbaric oxygen therapy, those are another couple of biohacks that you can use for recovery so there's some recovery centers popping up places that have these machines so you can buy a package or hop in there for just one or two sessions and you can feel the benefits usually after a couple sessions so i would definitely experiment with those things especially if you're an elite athlete And you're asking a lot of your body, you're going to need to become a recovery beast. So yeah, to ensure that you're not overtraining and to ensure that your body is adequately recovered before you're competing at a high level again.
0: I think the interesting thing that we're seeing now that you just mentioned is that, you know, years ago when you talked about recovery, as far as physical recovery from athletic performance, that was something that elite athletes had Access to if they were you know on professional teams and it was very expensive and very hard to have a- access to and now you see like you're saying there's these centers that are popping up that are giving people access to having cryotherapy and hyperbaric oxygen chambers and the Normatec boots and even the Normatec boots are now something that are sold and the STEM device you mentioned these things are getting more and more reasonably priced for people to be able to use for their own self-care, which is great, which is really a wonderful thing to see. And it 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 gives me hope that there's more people out there taking care of themselves. The fact that the prices are coming down usually means that there's more of a demand and more people are buying them. So that's a, as well as it's getting easier to produce the the product, but there are a lot of things out there for people to use. And it's a really important part of self-care, especially like you mentioned for athletes, but even for people that aren't elite level athletes, people that are you know, just trying to support their body and give it the best recovery they can. It's, these are all wonderful things that we can do to help our bodies assist them in, being as healthy as possible. Okay. Enough being said on that one. Let's move to the third item, which was improving sleep because we do know that sleep is absolutely critical because during sleep, so much of the processing of the day and the healing that our body needs and the restoration, that's when, that's when it takes place.
1: Yeah. So, taking extra measures to ensure that you're going to get a good night's sleep is really, really essential to your health. And I think that sleep is underappreciated in a lot of ways. Some people think that they can get away with six hours and be fine or five hours. And you may be okay in the short term, but you have to understand that there's a lot of inflammation and a lot of damage that's being done every single night that you're not getting a proper night's sleep. So there's a couple of things that you can do as far as supplements and meditation strategies and breathing strategies that can help calm you and help prepare you for a good night's rest. I think the number one thing with sleep is coming up with your bedtime routine So it's important about an hour before bedtime to really start preparing your mind and your body to have a restful night's sleep. And what are a lot of us doing at that time, an hour or so before bed? Usually we're on devices, maybe checking emails or social media or watching TV. And these things actually activate our brain, our limbic system, and can keep us awake besides the fact If you're not wearing blue light blockers, you're also suppressing melatonin, which is going to negatively impact your sleep. So what I like to do close to bedtime is to start to wind down and really focus on myself and what my body needs. So that may mean targeted self myofascial release using a foam roller or other tool that I have to help work on my connective tissue and fascia. So doing a nice rollout session, maybe doing a couple of yoga poses and doing some slow, deep breathing, and maybe even meditating or listening to some nature sounds before bed. I find that super calming as well. So all these different things you can mix and match to form your perfect bedtime routine and find what works for you because we really want to tap into that parasympathetic nervous system at the end of the day. And one thing that I just thought of that I'd like to mention is the use of essential oils again. And there's this specific blend that I've used for a couple months now, and I've introduced it to a lot of my friends and they found it super calming. And it's this parasympathetic blend by Vibrant Blue Oils, which is Jody Cohen's company, she has a tremendous story. So I would recommend you check out her work, and her essential oils. So that oil specifically, I like to inhale it either through alternate nostril breathing, or whatnot before bed, I find it super calming. And other things you could do include herbal teas like lavender, chamomile, Or lemon balm. And then if you want to experiment with different herbal products or supplements, my top four or five would have to be valerian root passion flower, CBD, and also melatonin. So those would be some supplement options as well.
0: Those are great. I just want to add a few things. Let's not forget our mushroom friends, lion's mane and reishi. Those are lovely supplements for helping with sleep as well. And they can come in tinctures or um, you can do a, like a chaga tea there. So there are some in teas as well. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention too, is everything that you just mentioned, Austin, as I was listening to you speak, what I was hearing you say is basically we want to calm the nervous system. We want to prime the parasympathetic nervous system and we want the sympathetic nervous system to take a back seat. You know, sympathetic nervous system, you've done a great job. You've <laughs> you've done a lot today. Go take a rest and let the parasympathetic work for a while cuz it's that's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to be our calming and recovery avenue. And so really all the things that you just mentioned are really helping our nervous system to shift gears. And I like the fact that you said it's like the hour before bed because people think you know a lot of times we can just do everything right up until bed and then literally you hear the saying what do people say fall into bed no you shouldn't be falling into bed if you're falling into bed you've probably overexhausted and burned out you know your adrenals and your sympathetic nervous system's on fire and you're falling in bed because you've overdone it not because your parasympathetic is is functioning well so the other thing I wanted to mention just from a different perspective for the sleep is it's really important to like Austin's talking about shut the brain off but one of the things that happens cognitively is if we haven't processed the emotions and the other thoughts and things through the day, they start running around and dancing and jumping up and making all kinds of noise when it's time for sleep. So you want to make sure that you've taken time at some point during the day, either during that nighttime routine or earlier to process out whatever's happened that day. And a good way to do that can be a journal, you know, it can be, you can do it a lot of different ways, but one way is to get it down on paper and get it out of your head. However you want to get it out of your head, get it out of your head because you don't want to do a lovely nighttime routine and then lay down where you're physically relaxed and yet cognitively you're not.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think that Another great strategy can be channeling a sense of gratitude at the end of your day Mm -hmm. and going through your day and just coming up with a couple of things that you're grateful for from that day and, and really just review everything you did during the day. And without judgment, you can just take an observer point of view and you can see what you're happy about from the day and what maybe you want to work on. Were you as productive as you wanted to be? Did you get everything you wanted to get done? And if you didn't, just take notes. And this is part of biohacking and adjust, make adjustments and figure out how you can create more time and space to get what you need to get done and go from there.
0: Yeah. And that is, and it's so true. That's something I do every night with my daughter as part of her nighttime routine As we do prayers and we do what, you know, what three things are you grateful for today? And that helps the shift to sleep be about gratitude and about love and about peace and positive emotions and positive thoughts. And that's really the place you want to start when you're trying to relax into a sleep state. So let's switch to number four, which was managing stress. What biohacks do you have have for us on that, Austin?
1: So the number one thing to manage stress, in my view, is meditation. So I know you've done a whole podcast or two on meditation. So figuring out what form of meditation works best for you and really establishing a routine. I like to meditate every single morning. That just works best for me. It sets me up for success throughout the day. It keeps me grounded and helps me start off my day in a peaceful relaxed state of mind so finding time and making that time to meditate is really important and other things as far as biohacks to manage stress you mentioned mushrooms i've done a lot of research on adaptogens and these mushrooms like reishi and cordyceps and lion's mane are known adaptogens and what adaptogens adaptogens can do is basically modulate the immune system in such a way where they can bring the body back into balance, back into homeostasis. So if the immune system is hyperactive, it can have a calming effect. And if the immune system needs to be ramped up, it can do that as well. So irrespective of your physiology, adaptogens basically adapt to your body's internal state of being and bring it into balance. And a couple of other notable ones are ginseng, ashwagandha, and rhodiola. Those are another top three adaptogens. So experiment with those. And those are best if you take them for about six to eight weeks and then take a two-week break. So definitely do your research on the dosage and things like that. But they're very safe. They're generally well-tolerated. So I think adaptogens are really a central part of my supplement regimen. I think they could benefit everyone because of the amount of stress that we're exposed to psychologically, physically, and emotionally every single day.
0: Well, and I have to give a shout out to my favorite adaptogen, the very magical Tianchi.
1: <laughs> yes, the magic I, potion.
0: Oh my gosh, the magic potion that is Tian Chi. Um, I absolutely love Tianchi, but anyway, I just had to mention Tianchi. I'll put that in the show notes because let me tell you, that one's a game changer. Tianchi absolutely has helped me at points when I definitely was suffering from adrenal fatigue. And you do need to make the changes. You can't. You don't want to rely on the supplement. You need to make the lifestyle changes and the other changes that go along with it. You know, I'm not advocating for people to just take supplements and not try and solve the problem that created. The symptom that you're using it for. You want to cure things. But that is a very beautiful supplement to help you along the way. The other thing as far as managing stress that I wanted to mention is obviously meditation is wonderful, but other things like yoga and just exercise, 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 movement of any kind. Because in this sedentary society that we live in, it's really Um, imperative that people remember that movement is so important, especially if possible movement in nature, because you're getting a lot of things out of that.
1: Yeah. So I think you can combine the two things you just mentioned right there, exercising in nature. So you're getting that sunlight. Let's say you're working out barefoot and you're lifting heavy things up. This is so ancestral. And Not only is it super grounding, which can help reduce oxidative stress and psychological stress, but you're also exposed to all these compounds that are in the air that are emitted from the plants and they affect our biology in magnificent ways and they can increase our natural killer cell levels, which are cells of the immune system. So you're boosting immunity, you're reducing stress by producing things like endorphins and serotonin. And you're also grounding. So I think that is such a key thing for managing stress, exercising, being in nature, being exposed to sunlight, and also spending time barefoot and grounding or earthing.
0: Yes, that is what is one of my favorites as well. And it doesn't have to be a long period of time. And actually, what I just want to say... When you're at work, take those little breaks and get outside and move. And there's a lot of different ways you can move. You can move by just going for a walk around the building, the parking lot. It doesn't have to be anything tremendous. Bring a pair of sneakers, throw them in your car, change your shoes during work and walk or go outside and find a little private place by a tree and sit out there and meditate. Or if you want to move, you can go under the tree and do some yoga poses or some some Tai Chi or just breathing exercises, or even just find a little spot and do some squats in the stairwell when no one's looking. Push-ups against the wall, anything. You just need to move. And I think what happens is we get so stuck and we can be so rigid about, oh, I need to get a half hour in or an hour or some expectation that we put on ourselves. And really what's important is that you move frequently throughout the day in little ways, because that's what our ancestors did. They were in constant movement and they weren't worried about whether it was an hour at the gym or a half hour at home in front of the TV doing exercises. It's just about moving and moving in ways that enhance your life.
1: And one of the biggest biohacks in regards to movement is this idea of exercise snacks, which you kind of alluded to. So doing sets of 20 squats or 20 pushups spread throughout the day at different points, you're taking breaks, you're getting up from your desk every 30 minutes or so, and you're exercising. This is such a key thing. So I, I say, don't go to the stairwell to do squats. Instead, you wanna go squat in public and help other people join you with those squats and make it a communal thing. and. It doesn't have to be something that's awkward. I think the fact that it's not a social norm is an issue. I think we need to make that the norm. We need to encourage our friends to just move throughout the day, especially our friends who are sedentary, even if it's getting up and doing 10 jumping jacks, or if you keep a kettlebell in your office, or let's say you pass through a doorway and you have a pull-up bar, knocking out some pull-ups. If you're setting up your environment in a way That's conducive to exercising, then you will begin to exercise throughout the day. And it, like you said, it's not about just going to the gym for one to two hours every day. Sure, that's great. But the key is low levels of physical activity throughout the day. We know that's associated with longevity, and that's what people in the blue zones, where people live to 100 or more, do. They don't go to the gym. Most of the time, they're working outside, but they're at a low, steady state of intensity throughout the day. And they go for lots of long walks. And I think that's a great thing for managing stress and just for boosting overall well-being.
0: Well, I love something you just said that I had never heard. I love the term exercise snacks. (laughs) I love that. I love that concept of exercise snacks. And wouldn't it be beautiful if in every workplace that was part of the culture Was to have not just snacks, you know, I've been in lots of environments and I mean, our idea of a snack was when we went to the meetings and they brought in, you know, sandwiches and snacks for us to eat. But wouldn't it be great if it, our meetings also included exercise snacks and a nice walk after we ate to help with digestion. (laughs) But yeah, that's something to work. That's definitely something to work towards and that would be a really super healthy work environment. And that's something that we should all, we we all are entitled to that. We all should be promoting that even more.
1: And one last thing, I think one of the greatest hacks that I've been implementing for about a year now is going for a 10 to 15 minute walk after every single meal. So by building exercise around your feeding times, you're improving your blood sugar levels because you're increasing insulin sensitivity and you're not just sitting down back at the desk right after you eat a big, heavy, calorically dense meal, you're getting up and you're moving. So you're expending some energy throughout the day. So I think one of the greatest hacks is just to go for that 10 to 15 minute walk after the meal, which can increase peristalsis, which helps digestion and can improve your overall absorption of nutrients.
0: Excellent, excellent. All right, let's move to the fifth and final, building community. That was the fifth one.
1: Yeah, so building community is all about bringing people together who are like-minded, who wanna have high energy levels, wanna live vibrantly. And it relates to this new concept of biohacktivism. So I recently read about that In a book written by sean wells who's also an avid biohacker and is considered one of the greatest supplement formulators in the world so definitely check out his work he has also a great book called the energy formula which i recently finished reading so anyway back to biohacktivism it's this idea that we can all grow together and improve by sharing what works for us and what doesn't with other people. So through social media or just your inner circles or even over dinner, you can talk about a new strategy that you implemented and how it worked for you, how you felt. And and through this sharing of our collective experiences, we can just continue to learn more about ourselves and human physiology and improve our human experience, really. So I think that Bringing people together through biohacking is also one of the great benefits of it.
0: Excellent. So it's that time in the show now. What we're going to do is I'm going to ask you, Austin, to think of some sparks of wisdom out of all you just said that we can share with our listeners.
1: Sparks of wisdom. Oh, 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 Sparked of wisdom oh, 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 oh. Whoa, whoa. So my one spark of wisdom for today is that there's all these different kinds of biohacks, different technologies and supplements and functional foods that you can use to improve your physical and mental health. But the ultimate biohack is still self-love. And I just want to keep putting that out there because the more that you love yourself, the more willing you are to take care of yourself. And once you're able to impact yourself on a physical, mental, and spiritual level and increase your health in all those domains, you're going to be able to show up in all the different areas of your life. So you're going to be a better worker, a better mom or dad, a brother, or sister, or friend. So really focusing on yourself and showing yourself self-love is the greatest biohack of all time.
0: Well, Austin, thank you so much for your time today. I think one of the things that struck me the most throughout it was everything that you were talking about as far as biohacking is really about self-care and the fact that we really need to take care of ourselves. And I love that your spark of wisdom was about self-love because to me, after going through all of these things with you today, it's really interesting to see that biohacking is really about the very basics of life. It sounds like a highly technical and in some cases it can be a highly technical thing if you choose to use some of the incredible technology that's out there, but it really is very basic. And so thank you for bringing all of that wisdom to the podcast. I do just want to ask you one last question. I'm sure a lot of people are going to be fascinated after all this information that you have shared. So can you just tell us how if people want to sort of go for a deep dive into biohacking? Can you give us some ideas of some of the resources or places they might look and all the things you mentioned? I will be sure to put in the extended show notes for people, but if you could just speak to that for a minute.
1: Yeah. So two of the top biohackers that I follow currently are Dave Asprey and Ben Greenfield, and they both have a lot of resources. As far as books go, I think Ben Greenfield's book Boundless is by far the most comprehensive guide to things, biohacking and optimizing your mind, body, and spirit. So he does a deep dive on A lot of the things that we talked about today and much, much more. It's a huge book. It's like a textbook size. And Dave Asprey also has a book called Superhuman. So if you're looking for cutting edge ways to increase your health span and really experience human life to the fullest, I highly recommend checking out that book as well. And lastly, I think that another great resource would be this podcast.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much. That's so sweet. (laughs) Um, Well, I think on that note, I think we'll wrap it up for today. (laughs) So thanks again for your time. And to all the listeners, thank you for listening. We appreciate you so much. If you would leave a rating and review, that'd be really helpful really helpful for me and for the podcast. And as always, if you have any questions or thoughts about future shows, just send me an email, always willing to listen. So as always, be you, be,
1: you, be, be love,
0: love, be, be present. present.